It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll right get through it. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a great show in store today. Coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with the author uh, of a new book. comes out tomorrow, Dovetails in Tall Grass, a novel by uh, Samantha Specks. Inspired by the true story of the 38 Dakota Sioux men hanged in Minnesota in 1862. That was the largest mass execution in U.S. history. And we'll talk uh, with Samantha about that a little later in the show. In the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk to financial education coach and author Edward R. Williams about his new book, Wealth Building for Beginners. And as old as I am, I still feel like a beginner. Uh, But we're going to talk with uh, Michigan clean energy expert uh, about the infrastructure bill that promotes clean energy and other aspects of it. Uh, He's been on the show before. Uh, Ken Zabera is um, a uh, member of the board of directors for the Great Lakes Renewable Energy Association, and he's Director of Commercial Sales for Farms and Businesses at Harvest Solar in Jackson. Ken, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, Are you outside? Uh, No, I'm in my vehicle. 
Oh, Audio okay. not so great? No, I was. I, it sounded like I heard uh, wind noise. Here, is that better? Much better. All right, sorry about that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no, uh, no worries, Ken. It's good to have you back. Um, where are we with the infrastructure bill? I, I've heard it called the infrastructure bill, the jobs bill, the recovery act. I, I, I've heard it called all kinds of things. Um, what is that bill? Where are we with it? How's it going to impact Michigan? Well, right now, you know, they're, um, you know, Congress is, is on vacation, but, and, uh, you know, I'm a solar installer, so I know enough of this infrastructure package to, uh, to kind of talk about it and be dangerous, but I'm not a, a politician or lobbyist, so, um, you know, a lot of the details I'm, I'm not uh, real up to speed on, but I will say that, that uh, you know, it can really be impactful for Michigan and a business like Harvest Solar and, uh, it, and homeowners and business owners to be able to implement cost-effective clean energy um, in a way that is, you know, like I said, cost-effective and, and makes sense for homes and businesses and farms without being subsidized by, by non-solar users. Um, and, it, and that would create a lot of jobs as well. In 2020, Michigan ranked uh, sixth in the nation for total clean energy employment. Um, how did the pandemic impact what was a rapidly growing industry before the pandemic? Um, luckily, not as bad as it as it maybe could have, or or as it maybe affected other industries. Um, I think the uh, the residential solar industry uh, took a little bit of a hit uh, because it wasn't, um, you know, we, we weren't able to go out and build. Um, we were, uh, there were a lot of commercial projects, though, that were able to still be built and utility scale projects. So on the commercial and utility scale side, we actually continued to grow and, and do really well. And, uh, you know, Harvest Solar did and, and a lot of uh, other solar installers and solar developers um, w would say the same thing, but the residential side uh, took a little bit of a decline and, and bounced back uh, very well, in my opinion. And uh, so it, it, it could have been a lot worse. What about farms? Well, farms, uh, farms are, uh, we, we work primarily with farms and rural businesses, um, and we've kind of always had that reputation. And uh, it, it, frankly, it hasn't slowed down. If anything, we're we're growing in the in the farm industry or in the farm you know market, and uh, a lot of farms are implementing solar, and it's really cost effective for them to do so. There's uh, there's there's kind of, they happen to be a little bit of a sweet spot as far as tax incentives and and physical space for solar and uh, and and permitting uh, policies and things like that. Um, so uh, they didn't slow down during COVID as far as solar installations, and, and we're still growing strong. Now, back to the uh, infrastructure bill, which at least in some part, um, and, and there's, a, there's a budget item, too, that, that addresses clean energy, but the infrastructure bill addresses clean energy. Do you have a good sense for what will be in it when it eventually passes or is that just a, a complete guess um more of a complete guess and or at least from my perspective um and uh you know i i'll tell you what i'd like to see in it what i think will 
what I think would be will be in it and and would be really beneficial is some kind of green bank financing and and uh, you know something in terms of financing to to implement more solar projects and more cost effective solar projects. Um, if it's okay with you, can I go into an example? Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you to Ken um, if that would be something with, with a funds set aside for financing green energy projects how what would it look like sure so you know everybody in the industry has a different perspective and different different part of the industry but from my perspective a really good example is a there's a nonprofit uh, organization in michigan called michigan saves and a little plug for them michigansaves.org but it's a really good financing program that is that is a a green bank um, and uh, now I may get some of the minor details or, or political uh, structure here a, a little bit wrong, so um, I apologize if I do, but essentially it is a residential only, um, oh, excuse me, they have a commercial program, but, but the, uh, there's a residential uh, solar financing program, and it also applies to energy efficiency and other clean energy uh, projects where you can, they will finance your clean energy project for your home, at a rate and term that is much more attractive than you would typically get. Uh, it, it's, it's an unsecured loan and it's backed by the public service commission. And, uh, by being backed by the public service commission as a green bank, it allows local credit unions to offer these loans at really low interest and long terms. And that has dramatically increased the amount of solar energy that has been implemented uh, in, in homes in Michigan. And, uh, that's something that is, so that's something that has exploded the residential solar industry in, in Michigan without just dumping money into it and without just, just giving those homeowners cash to, you know, to make it more cost effective and without some kind of subsidized utility rate. Um, so to me, that's a really good way that that's an example of a really good way to, uh, to make solar, you know, to actually get cost-effective solar implemented. So if something like that were, you know, were, were uh, in the infrastructure bill or something along those lines uh, on a commercial or more broad scale, to me that would be a really good way um, to really create jobs and, and implement more cost-effective clean energy projects without just dumping grant money or rebates or or subsidies uh into the industry is battery technology keeping up with uh, the ability to install solar uh not quite but almost and it, and it will be soon um it's uh it, it's getting better quickly and i've been doing this about nine years ago and or about nine years and about nine years ago batteries were barely even a conversation um, and now they're a big conversation and, and still not quite keeping up or at least not in Michigan um, but it's it's getting better quickly and, and it will be soon and that that goes for uh, for both smaller scale for residential power outages uh, you know to replace to, to be a, a backup source that's all doable and, and becoming more cost effective uh, and then on the larger side there's a lot of battery applica applications uh, that are starting to come about on a on a commercial scale, where you can reduce the uh, your peak load. You know, you can you can re reduce the large spikes that maybe make your electric bill pretty high. In uh, is solar the 
the largest growing green energy or energy alternative um, or are there other green energy projects that are uh, that are taking off and and that qualify for these kinds of programs well there's a lot of different technologies and, and different things coming about but i would definitely say you know, statistically or technically, I don't know, you know, a, a, a statistic in front of me, but um, I would definitely make the argument that solar is the, the fastest growing, most cost effective clean energy uh, project, generally speaking, um, certainly in Michigan and, and uh, in the Midwest. Yep. How is uh, the cost of solar um, at, at making the investment in solar panels and solar technology is is that price coming down and 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 i'll just compare it to you know my memory of uh when video cassette recorders first came out they were like fifteen hundred dollars and now you can get them for like twenty nine ninety five but uh but you know what i mean is the price coming down to where it's more affordable and is that part of why it's uh growing so fast it is, and, and it's, a, it's a unique type of thing because it, it, the, the longevity of a solar project is really important because it, solar panels last a really long time. They have typically a 30-year warranty. There's no moving parts, no filters or fluids. And the reason that comes into play with cost effectiveness is because when you stretch the cost of the solar system out over the life of the, of, of the array, uh, and divide by the number of kilowatt hours that it will generate in its life, solar energy is significantly cheaper than grid power. But that's averaged over a 30-year life. So, so that's part of what, can, what the infrastructure package can help is, is financing mechanisms and tax incentive um, type programs so that that upfront cost um, is, not, is, is not so difficult to over- overcome. Um, and once you can overcome that upfront cost, then in general, overall, over the life of the system, that solar energy is much cheaper, much less uh, less expensive than traditional grid power. And, well, let's see, we've got about a minute and we have to take a break, so I don't want to dig into anything uh, too deep. Ken, can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some Definitely. more? Definitely. All right. Yep, yep. My uh, my guest is uh, Ken Zabera uh, from. Well, let's see. He uh, he works for Harvest Solar, but he is uh, also a board member for the Great Lakes Renewable Energy Association, and we're talking about uh, uh, solar technology and uh, alternative energy. And we'll talk some more after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOV, our voices radio, um, 92.1 LPFM in Flint, a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. And uh, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and then we'll be back to talk more with Ken. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's more straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner Program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Today. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. My guest this hour is Ken Zabera, and he is uh, from Harvest Solar and a board member for the Great Lakes Renewable Energy Association. We're talking about renewable energy. Ken, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. Um, Ken, during the last segment, um, you mentioned something about, uh, um, we were talking about battery capacity and and you're somewhat of an expert in in solar installations and i want to talk a little bit about solar installations what those projects look like and the difference between going completely off the grid and having a system that helps with the backup now here at my place we recently had a power outage and i did the old-fashioned you know fired up a gas-powered generator and you know we we managed to tough it out. It wasn't a very long one. It was you know twelve hours maybe, but um, but what about those two things? Uh, what kinds of projects? Uh, the other thing we were talking about in the last segment, just to just to get caught back up again, is uh, we were talking about the uh, infrastructure bill in in your hopes that it would include something for financing uh, solar and other clean energy projects uh, through green banks or or some other way of of making financing available but let's talk about the the kinds of projects uh what what do you run into typically is it um you know where residences are concerned and maybe farms is it going completely off the grid or is it using um solar energy to lessen costs and and serve as a backup in power outages sure so obviously there's there's a wide range of applications and scenarios but most of the time the the most cost the, the most cost effective and common way to implement solar is to simply uh to simply buy less energy from the grid and uh so the most common you know a, a good example would be you know, a, a large manufacturer that that uh, you know has a large electric bill to to uh, the typical utility, and we can we can do a solar project. We can say, hey, well, you can you can uh, make your own power for a lot less than what you pay to the utility, um, and it may only be ten percent or twenty percent or thirty or forty percent of that of that facility's load. So we're not talking about going off grid or or not even close to going off grid just to be able to buy a bit less from the utility. That's where it's almost always very cost effective and, uh, and easy to implement and, and makes good sense. Um, and then if and when you want to get rid of more of your electric bill or do more for the environment or just do more, then you, then you have to think about the timing. And, uh, and that's, where, that's where it gets tricky with storage. So you know, in, in, in with solar energy, you're making a lot more during the middle of the day than you probably need. You're probably, you know, if, if you were to do, if you were to to uh, size a solar array to make the same amount of, of kilowatt hours as you use in a day or a month or a year, well, it, on average, it may it may be about a wash, but during the middle of the day and on a sunny day, you're going to be making more than you need uh, on an instantaneous basis. And so 
that's where that's where you then say, okay, can the can the grid handle that, and will the and and uh, what does the utility need to do to confirm that whether the grid can handle that or not, and what protective equipment needs to be in place, and what rate structure should be in place for that energy that's going back on the grid, and so there's you know every utility and every state has a different policy for that scenario and, and different rules and we work through through those as as needed and then on a so then you could you could say well if uh, if the policy is not favorable or uh, or to reduce costs you know infrastructure costs or protective equipment costs we could install a storage system we could install batteries to keep that energy on site during those sunny days when we're making more than we need and that's all doable now um, but the timing makes it tough. Um, the, the, the uh, you know, do you, what happens when your batteries are full and you're uh, still making more than you need? Then you still need those, those uh, interconnection guidelines with the utility. And then, uh, you know, as far as a, a residential battery backup, uh, like you're talking about with a, with a, with a storm outage, um, it's still kind of tough because, you know when it, it, what happens if that outage was in was five or six days long in the uh, in the middle of uh, February, and when it's uh, on average a lot cloudier, and you're not keeping up, you're not making as much as you need to keep up, and so potentially you could you could run out of battery power and not have enough sun to keep it recharged, and then still need a gas generator for that for that emergency rare situation anyway. Um, and that battery system that I'm using as an example is a lot more expensive right now than the typical generator. Um, so it, it, it's, there's a lot of possibilities and anything is possible with, with batteries. Um, but the, the timing of your energy generation and the cost of the batteries is, is kind of the tricky part. Now, the panels themselves, um, is there a way you were talking about a, a, a scenario where through the middle of the day, it might be a lot sunnier. You might be um, actually generating more energy than you need and, and feeding that energy back into the grid. But is there a way to just shut off the system when it's generating too much power? Um, theoretically, yes. There, there's a way to do just about anything there. Um, but it's not really it's not really realistic uh, because of um, it, you know it is doable, but there's a lot of other technical reasons that it's not that simple. The solar array, uh, an example of that is the solar array. Um, the inverters are in are taking in DC power and outputting usable AC power, but that AC power has to match and synchronize with the grid. So those inverters need to see grid power to match the frequency and phase and, and, and just the right voltage. And uh, so they need to see that grid to be able to know what energy, what type of energy and, and what frequency to, to feed into the facility or into your house. So there are, some, there are some technical reasons like that why it's not quite as simple as just, you know, I'm making solar energy and I don't want it to be connected to the grid for this period of time so I can just flip a switch and, and reroute it over to here. Um, so it's not quite that simple. And then there are also safety procedures and, and mechanisms that, that uh, you know, prevent the, you know, the utility wants to make sure that if, if you were to do something like that, if your switch fails, 
they want to protect they need to be protecting their linemen so there's some safety things there as well and how much space do the solar panels themselves take and and maybe we could scale it to a house or, or you know something where people could get some sense of you know how much equipment has to be installed uh, for solar panels say to power an average house sure you know if you're if you're in town uh somewhere in in uh, in a residential you know suburb or subdivision sometimes it can be difficult as far as roof space or ground space um and uh and obviously it's a case by case but to give you a good example you know i have I have a, a two-car detached garage uh, at my house, and I and the roof faces south, and uh, and I have that filled with about five and a half kilowatts of solar, um, and uh, so it, it covers a two and a half car garage, and that does most of my electric bill. I still have I still buy natural gas, um, but that covers most of my electric bill on that two and a half car garage. Um, if you did a ground mount. A lot of times, a, a typical residential ground mount, ground mounted array might have a footprint of roughly, oh, ten feet by forty feet, give or take. Um, so it, it's not a ton of space, but it's certainly more than just a, a couple of solar panels on the, you know, on, on the garage roof. Is is that footprint getting smaller as uh, as the technology continues to evolve? Yep, it is. Yeah, when I started in 2012 um, in this industry, we were using a 230 watt panel, and now there are 450 watt panels. So essentially double, uh, essentially double the wattage. And and when I say the wattage, that means the the a nameplate wattage, how much energy it's making per square inch. And uh, and so now you know it, it, the, it, to make the same amount of power, you need about half the physical footprint. Of, of what we did say 10 years ago is this something the average person can do themselves buy the equipment and and install it or is it complicated enough that it really requires expert installation and uh, wiring and so on well it's it's definitely doable i i would never say that it's impossible to do yourself um it's certainly doable but but you'd want to be very careful and and uh, experienced and have an ele- have a licensed electrician um you know do the wiring wiring but in general you want you want a professional uh it, solar installer to do your project for a number of reasons you you want it to be you know aside from just making sure that it's done right um i mentioned uh you know an example i mentioned that michigan saves financing program that many homeowners use if you're going through that program, you have to use one of their uh, one of their installers that they have, you know, pre-qualified, and and uh, so that the the banks don't get burned by a, a you know a a, a faulty installation, installation that doesn't need yeah sure, um, and then there's you know the utilities a lot of times um, require and, and should require proof that it was installed by uh, by a licensed electrician or you know, and, and properly inspected uh, so that, you know, it, it's safe for to be connected to the grid. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of safety things. And, um, you know, it, it, it's making a lot of power. It's a lot of electricity. 
and you're connecting it to the grid that is shared with everybody else. So there are, you know, it should be properly installed and, and the utilities and other entities do kind of check that and make sure that that's the case. Is there a, a recommended um, starter program for people who haven't worked with uh, solar or other kinds of uh, alternative energy? Um, do people get into this in phases or do they just decide this is how much energy I don't want to buy from the grid and I'm going to install a system that will accommodate that? Well, something that something that all of us solar installers and solar developers are used to is is educating every potential customer um, from the start. And uh, you know, it's not something. This isn't something like your you know your furnace goes out and you call your HVAC person and say, "Well, I need a new furnace." You know, this is something that that most people don't really know about, and that's okay, and don't really understand truly how it works and what well, your options are. Yeah, when are. you're when you're replacing a uh, a furnace there's already a system in place and you just simply replace that system correct and and so for for a solar project your utility may have uh, you know every utility has a different policy every state has a different policy it's going to be different from residential to agricultural to commercial and uh and, and then the physical space how much space do you have on the roof and on the ground so a, the first step really uh, is, is for, for a homeowner or a business owner to get a hold of a solar installer like Harvest Solar, or there, there are many other in the state, and, uh, and, and, and that solar installer will walk you through how many panels you could or should do and why, and will give you different options about doing a smaller system first and then adding on later potentially, or, um, or you know, maybe you shouldn't do this many panels even though you want to get rid of more of your electric bill, maybe you should you, you shouldn't quite do that big of a system because then you're you're not going to get as good of a policy and and so uh, you know a solar installer will walk you through those things. Does the average uh, person that that approaches you know either you or one of these other uh, solar companies is is the first question almost always uh, what do I need to get off the grid? Yeah, it is, and and so that's often <laughs> I the would question. Think. I would think. Yep. Yep. And I don't. And I don't. I don't blame them one bit. I I wish I could get off the grid, and you know, I have the same conversation as we've had today. Is that yeah, technically it's possible, but the cost and timing of of the energy needs and production make it a little bit unrealistic. But if you really want to go down that path, we will. But uh, but here's why it's not quite that simple. Is it out of reach for the average person and, I mean, financially, and is that why you would like to see the infrastructure bill have, have a strong uh, financing component? Uh, that, yeah, that's accurate. But in Michigan, that, that Michigan Saves program that I've mentioned a couple times is really, really awesome and helpful. And, and, but that is, but th there's not really much of an incentive Technically, there is a commercial program as part of that, but it's it's not it's not any more attractive uh, or or financially doable than you know a traditional method. So the so I'd like to see uh, so it act, on a residential scale in Michigan, it is very affordable, quite affordable because of this Michigan Saves program. 
but that that uh, that incentive doesn't really apply in a commercial uh, application or out of state. Um, so other states and commercial applications need something similar uh, to uh, to handle that upfront cost. Um, now, one of the things that we started talking about a little bit, um, and and I want to make sure while we still have some time to get into, is uh, clean energy jobs. What are they? Where are they? Have they been impacted by the pandemic? Um, Michigan is, uh, what, sixth in the nation, at least for 2020, for uh, total clean energy employment? Yeah, they, the, uh, we definitely, the industry and, uh, and our company specifically, um, you know, we are looking for, we are hiring, we are looking for good people, and, uh, you know, we, we definitely need electricians uh, and engineers. Uh, electricians is one of the biggest things, I, you know, as a, as a personal opinion. I think that's uh, probably the most needed and, and critical piece for this industry is having enough qualified, experienced, licensed electricians. Um, and, and we also need, um, need kind of a, kind of a technical sales type of, of, uh, position, not just specifically for harvest solar, but I mean, in general, in the industry, part of the challenge, as we just talked about is educating the public on what actually is doable and how solar works. So it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we want to, we want to find people and need people in the industry that have that technical ability and engineering mindset but can still, you know, effectively communicate that uh, to, uh, you know, to the public. <laughs> yeah, there were there were a couple times you went a little over my head. <laughs> I know, I apologize. No, I, no. I, I'm guilty I, of that sometimes. That's okay, Ken. Um, I, I encourage people who know stuff to share what they know. And if it goes over my head, too bad. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, Ken... Because of the pandemic, um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics just reported the labor, labor market is down by well over 5 million jobs from pre-pandemic employment. Do you think there are a lot of those people with the, with the skills that, that you're looking for in the clean energy uh, industry that, that might look to make that change now? And, and is the uh, compensation attractive enough to do that i'm sure yeah i'm, I'm sure there are uh, i'm sure many of them uh could fit into the clean energy industry and uh it and typically the pay is very it is uh you know very competitive and the nice thing about the industry is there's just a huge range of of what the industry needs you know that they, they the industry needs you know like i said electricians and and more of the the technical engineers but also, um, also a lot of construction positions and, uh, you know, drivers, post pounders, construction crews. And then, uh, you know, on the administration side, there's a lot of, of work uh, for each project in terms of getting interconnection uh, approvals through and permitting and, and a lot of, of kind of front office uh, work. And, uh, there's, and then the jobs kind of uh, indirectly affect, you know, a lot of other things. The, uh, the utilities, uh, have positions that they need to fill to, um, you know, to, to process interconnection applications and solar and, and implement solar policies and things like that. Um, and then I, I usually like to, you know, bring up that 
there's these solar projects if they can be properly and cost effectively implemented will result in more cost effective things in 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 our society and more jobs indirectly um you know it, it, like if if um you know an apple grower can make an apple for a little bit less money per apple because they have implemented solar energy that's cheaper than grid power then maybe they can now hire somebody else or or uh, you know they're they're growing their apples or their product uh, more cost effectively so i think it really reaches out indirectly a lot of different ways and 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 finally we've been focusing on a couple different things job opportunities and of course people who want to uh, reduce their dependence on the grid um, where are some places where people listening that are interested in one or the other in in jobs in clean energy or taking advantage of clean energy where can people go to uh, research and, and learn more well um, I'll start with you know my two direct uh, resources that you know my employer harvest solar you know we um, we can help you with some resources. And then uh, I'm on the board with Great Lakes Renewable Energy Association, glrea.org. Um, and, uh, and we always need support in promoting and, and uh, pushing clean energy policies and, and, uh, and programs. Um, and then actually, a, a, I, I personally like the Solar Energy Industries Association, SEIA, um, it, that uh, really you know, they've got a really good website and, and uh, really good people to explain how the solar tax credit works and certain solar financing and policies and a good educational tool. Um, but I just encourage everybody to, to really understand, you know, if, if they want to look into or have an opinion on clean energy, really understand the, uh, you know, the local policies and what's actually doable for your home and business. Um, and uh, and get involved with with these organizations that that uh, work on that kind of thing. And what did you think? Of, and we just have about a minute and a half left. But I just wondered what you thought about the United Nations report that we were running out of time to um, adapt clean energy. Well, I personally believe that, and and um, you know, there's it, it, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a complete expert on climate change and, and the time that it uh, that we have, um, but uh, just as a personal opinion, you know, I do believe that that we're pretty much running out of time, and uh, and we need to get. And what's frustrating is that the solar energy, solar energy, and a lot of clean energy technologies are cost effective, and uh, and we don't have to take more time. Uh, to implement them if we can just get certain policies in place and, and push the right infrastructure uh, pieces. And, and, you know, it's all doable now. Well, and I appreciate uh, the work that you and many, many others are doing, and I appreciate the time you spent with me this morning, Ken. Thank you. Thank you. Keep up it's been a pleasure. Good, keep up the good work. Yep, thank you. Bye. And we've been talking about clean energy and clean energy jobs with... Um, Ken Zabara, who uh, is um, 
a board member for the Great Lakes Renewable Energy Association. He is also director of commercial sales for farms and businesses at Harvest Solar in Jackson, Michigan. And we're going to take a short break. Let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. We'll Hi, be right this back. is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. 
We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. When John Henry was a little baby, sitting on his daddy's knee, he picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel and said, Goo 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 that's not the right verse. The kid was only six months years old. Well, he had six. Tommy, the real, the ethnic, you know the real version. When John Henry was a little baby, baby. sitting on his daddy's knee, <laughs> his daddy picked him up threw him on the floor and said, this baby's done wet on me. <laughs> I, I, I apologize. Oh, one more chance. One more chance is all you get. See this pin? It says, think ethnic. You gotta think ethnic and sing ethnic to ever earn this pin. When John Henry was a little baby, sitting on his daddy's knee, he picked up a hammer and a little piece of steel and said, this hammer be the death of me, Lord, Lord, hammer be the death of me. Yeah, when John Henry was just a little tyke, he picked up a piece of steel and a hammer it seemed like he knew all the time, down deep inside, that he was going to work on the railroads. And there was a big story waiting for him to arrive on. Why was a little boy used to go around hammering on things? His daddy bought him a little hammer. Let's go around hammering the tables and hammering the fixtures. We <laughs> used to get a licking all the time. He'd go up and hammer on the front door. Hammer on the chairs. Yet as John Henry grew, he grew in size, and he grew in stature, and he grew in his mind, his horizons grew. He started going out and got a bigger hammer. Started walking around town hammering things. Hammering trees, people's fences, the fire hydrants. While John Henry could just go around hitting one fire hydrant with one whop, whop. Yeah. All dogs in town hated John Henry. <laughs> well, the whole story goes is that when he grew to full size, he could drive steel on the railroad, drive those spikes in the ground faster than any ten men. People started talking about John Henry. 
Or as the fastest man that ever drove steel on the railroad. And the whole story of John Henry really starts the day the captain told John Henry something. John Henry said, tell me something, captain. <laughs> Then the captain said, John Henry, I'm gonna bring me a steam drill round. I'm gonna bring me a steam drill out on the job. I'm gonna pop that steel on down, Lord, Lord, pop that steel on down. Sure enough, next day they had a steam drill out on the job. Big red steam drill, shiny smokestack sticking up in the air. Well, they had old John Henry over there, muscles rippling in the sun, sweat running off in gimlets. <laughs> Ringlets. Well, the captain, head of all the railroad workers, looked over at that steam drill and smiled. Then he turned over and he looked over at John Henry. Those beady little eyes. He snarled over John Henry. Hi there, John. <laughs> well, John Henry didn't say nothing. Just spit on his hands, picked up those two nine-pound hammers, walked slowly over towards that steam drill, spit on the steam drill. Then went over and spit on the captain. <laughs> so it got to be about 12 o'clock starting time for the race. Every railroad man in the county was out there that day because they knew if John Henry lost that race, they were all out of a job. So it got to be starting time for the race. John Henry is up there at that starting line. That steam drill was up there at that starting line. Big smokestack sticking right up in the air. A little bit of spit on it. <laughs> well, the captain walked up to the start line. I swear you could hear a pin drop that day. He took out his pistol and pointed it up in the air. John Henry spit on it. Actually, this was about the greatest race in the history of man. The race between a man and a machine. He pointed that pistol up in the air and shot it off. Bang. That started that race.
listing drill was going on the left side and John Henry hammered on the right. The steam drill made ten feet, John Henry only three. Then it hammered John Henry out of sight, Lord, Lord. Hammered John Henry out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> hammered John Henry out of sight. <laughs> oh, Lordy. Yeah, that's right. John Henry lost that race. Dumb smart I thought he could be a steam drill. <laughs> what a thing for crying out loud. John Henry said to the captain, to the captain, by God I ain't no fool. Before I'll die with a hammer in my hand, I'm gonna get me a steam drill too, Lord Lord. Get me a steam drill too. Get me a steam drill too, Lord Lord. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. show down here. 
it's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>